Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, it's a joy to, to open God's word this morning. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at from verse 18 um, to verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse 23. And it reads as follows. Now... The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, as I've explained in the call to worship, that the key moments, key events in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and during this time of the year, we celebrate his birth. We want to think thoroughly about the birth of Jesus Christ, about the meaning of why Jesus came on earth. My title for this morning is, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, the point of the Gospel of Matthew is to present Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Uh, the goal of Matthew here is to prove that Jesus is that long-awaited Savior, that long-awaited Messiah, that long-promised Son that Israel had been waiting for. See, in Genesis, man disobeys. Man sins against God. Sin enters the world. The consequences of sin enter the world. We see destruction. We see death. We see deception. Man is separated from God. We see the curse kicks in. But in the midst of this chaos, we see a glimmer of hope. We see here a glimpse of God's plan. We see the first promise of salvation, the good news for man's misery. And this is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is also called the first proclamation of the gospel, the Proto-Evangelion. In Genesis 3, 15, God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You see, God says to Satan, you will now become enemies with mankind. Your demons and minions will perpetually wage war against mankind. But an offspring will come from the woman and you, Satan, will try to destroy him, but he will crush you and gain domination. 
This is this first proclamation of the gospel as we see in Genesis 3.15. This first glimmer of hope. This first presentation of what God would do to intervene between man and himself. God has a plan. God will send his son to demolish and dismantle the works of the enemy. God himself will bring peace between God and man. So the question throughout the Old Testament has been, where is this man? Where is the son? Where is the savior? Now Matthew does not waste any time. He wants everyone to understand that Jesus is this man. Jesus is this son. Jesus is this savior. Jesus is the Messiah. You see, Matthew is eager to prove this point by first pointing us to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the Messiah. Look at his genealogy. Look at his genealogy. Matthew presents the genealogy of Jesus Christ from a theological perspective, not from a statistical perspective. So what I mean by this is that the people that Matthew lists in the genealogy are there to prove a theological point. He's not listing every single person in the lineage of Jesus Christ, but he's listing key people that he wants to use to prove a particular theological point. So... Let's look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Turn there to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, look, go, go further down, look at verse 17. So, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Now, there are, there are a couple of literary devices. There's, there's communication devices that you can use to draw people's attention. You can, you can use repetition. You can also use a figure here called bracketing or, or inclusio. See, bracketing is when, when you state something in the beginning as your introduction, and then you restate it in closing. You see, the point that you're trying to make is pay attention to what I'm saying first and pay attention to what I'm saying last. For example, Psalm 8 starts with the words, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then it's... It ends with the same words. Oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the point here is, as you read this psalm, you need to understand that the key theme of this psalm is that our Lord is majestic in all the earth. So the point of an inclusio is to alert the reader to an important theme. You see, an inclusio is saying, pay attention to this. It says, this is what the text is all about. Now, when we look at the genealogy of Jesus, we see an inclusio. We see this bracketed message found in verse 1 and verse 17. Look with me there. Verse 1, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What else do we see at the end of the genealogy of Jesus Christ? A summary, really, that says Jesus Christ is the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew does not want us to miss that Jesus is the descendant of Abraham and David. 
And I want you to see the significance of this statement. What does it mean that Jesus is the, is, is the descendant of Abraham? In the Bible, we see Abraham was graciously called by God from serving idols to serve the living God. It says that in Joshua 24. In Genesis chapter 12, God outlines his intentions with Abraham. We see in Genesis chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, meaning in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here's the key idea. God says to Abram, leave your idols, leave your family, leave your land. Trust me, I will bless you. And in you, from your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, Abram, from you shall come forth a descendant who will be a blessing to the nations. Now remember, the question in the Old Testament is, who is this man? Who is this man? Where is he? When will he come? Matthew says, Jesus is the Messiah. Here he is. The Messiah is here. Here is the man who will bless the nations. Here is the rescuer. Here is the redeemer. Here is the Messiah. Galatians 3 verse 7, it says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words, God fulfills his promise to Abraham through Jesus Christ. So when Matthew says Jesus is the son of Abraham, he's saying, look at the Savior. Here he is. Look at that son. Look at that son of promise. Look at the man that God said would fulfill my promise to Abraham. Here he is, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, from whom nations are blessed. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at his genealogy. Matthew brings up another name, King David. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, King David offers to build God a temple. This is how God responds in 2 Samuel chapter 7. David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. 
the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And as you turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city, Galilee, named Nazareth, to a vision betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the vision's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the son of Abram. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of promise. Jesus is the son of Abram, the son of David, who has come to conquer and rule. Jesus is the son of David, who has come to rescue and to redeem. Jesus is the son of David, who has come to establish an eternal kingdom. Jesus is the son of David, who has come to make people ready for God. And Jesus is the son of David, who has come to fulfill the promises of God made to David. Look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It tells us that he is the real Messiah. He is the descendant of Abraham, the descendant of David. He is the fulfillment of promises made. Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus is the son of David, the one who came to fulfill promises made by God. Now we come to our second consideration of Jesus as the Messiah. Look at the prophetic testimony. Look at the prophetic testimony. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. Look with me. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the vision shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. This is a quotation from Micah chapter 2. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at the prophetic testimony. Now remember Herod wants to kill Jesus. And look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. 
And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. This is a quotation from Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at the prophetic testimony. Look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, racial weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because there are no more. This is a quote from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. Look at the prophetic testimony. Jesus is the Messiah. Now, look at the end of Matthew chapter 2, verse 23. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is a quotation from Psalms 22. Brothers and sisters, when we look at Matthew chapter 1 and 2, we cannot miss the fact that there's not only just one prophetic testimony, but there's five references to prophetic testimony surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9, Micah chapter 2, Hosea chapter 11, Jeremiah 31, Psalm 22. Different authors writing at different times, inspired by the Holy Spirit. They wrote into detail the record of the birth of the Messiah hundreds of years before he would be born. This is not a coincidence. This is a God incidence. This is the fulfillment of scripture. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the Messiah. What will you do? with Jesus this morning. I'm calling you to put your faith in him. I'm calling you to worship him. As you saw, wise men worship Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at his miraculous conception. Look at his miraculous conception. Look at verse 18, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Underscore that. See? Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now let's continue to read. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, take Mary as your wife. Underscore this next part. For that which is conceived in her is, where, uh, where does it come from? From the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Verse 25, well, let's continue. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, verse 25, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. 
and he called his name Jesus. Five times in these verses, we are told that the conception of Jesus Christ was miraculous. Here's the key here. Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. Verse 18, it tells us, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. You might be asking, what is the big deal about the virgin birth? What is the purpose of the virgin birth? What is the significance of Jesus being from the Holy Spirit? See, the virgin birth of Jesus teaches that salvation is from God. God is the initiator of salvation. God is the source of salvation and God is the supplier of salvation. The vision birth of Jesus Christ communicates that God is recreating a new people for himself. In Genesis chapter 5, we read these words. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in his likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image. You see, in Romans 5, 12, it tells us sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And in Romans 5, 19 tells us, For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. You see, brothers and sisters, the chief idea is this. Jesus is the new seed. Jesus is different from Adam. This is a restoration project. A restoration of God's image, a restoration of man to God, the restoration of peace between man and God. What we see here is the intervention of God, that Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. See, observe how in Genesis, the Spirit brings life to man, but in Matthew, the Spirit brings life to the Messiah. In Genesis, God promises a seed from the woman. In Matthew, God delivers the seed through a woman. In Genesis, man who is Adam is born, who succumb to sin. But in Matthew, a man, Jesus, is born, who will save sinners from their sin. The virgin birth of Jesus also communicates that Jesus is eternal. You see, Jesus did not begin his existence at his conception or when he was born. But he came into the world. John 18 verse 28 tells us, I came from the Father and have come into the world. None of us can make that claim. You see, Jesus existed before he would be born. Think about that. This is such a glorious mystery. He was born a baby and yet he sustained the universe. He was 30 years old, and yet he exists eternally. He was tired, and yet he was omnipotent. He died, and yet he conquered sin. He has returned to heaven, and he is present with us. 
Listen to this verse from Huck, the Herald Angel Sings. It says, Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at his names and titles. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a transliteration of a Jewish name, Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. And Christ is his title. It's a title that means Messiah. The anointed one. Verse 23 it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That's his other title. So you look at his names and title. His name means Jehovah saves. His title, Christ, means he's the Messiah, the long awaited one. Here's his other title, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Jesus came on earth to be God with us, not God against us. To be God with us, to save, to be God with us as a substitute. To be God with us, to rescue, to be God with us, to redeem and restore. To be God with us, to give life, to be God with us, to take the punishment we deserved. Emmanuel, God with us. Look at another title, King of the Jews. This is a fulfillment to the promise made to David. See, we have looked at the genealogy of Jesus. We have looked at the prophetic testimony about Jesus. We, had, we have looked at his divine conception, his miraculous conception. We have looked at his title and his name. Now let us look at his mission and his purpose for his incarnation. Jesus is the Messiah because of a specific and particular mission and purpose that he has come to fulfill. Look at his mission and purpose for his incarnation. Brothers and sisters... This is stated in simple words, in this simple sentence, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Look at that verse with me at the end of verse 21. He will save his people from their sins. That's, that's the, the simple mission, the simple statement of the mission of Jesus Christ, of the reason why Jesus Christ came on earth simply put Jesus came on earth to save his people from their sins he will save his people from their sins it is he he who came by divine commission it is he who came by divine conception it is he who came as God man it is he alone Jesus Christ who can save he will save his people from their sins. It is he exclusively. It is only he who can fulfill this. It is he, the sinless one. It is he, truly man and truly God. He will save his people from their sins. It is he, Jesus Christ, who lived for us. It is he who died for us. It is he who knew no sin but became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. It is he, Jesus Christ, who came.
to save his people from their sins. See the next part of this statement, he will save. He will provide complete salvation. He will save. He is a willing savior. He is willing to save to the uttermost. He will be able to bear the cross. He will be able to present an acceptable sacrifice before God. He will do it. He will be your substitute. He will be your go in between. You see, this speaks of his willingness, his sufficiency, and his ability. You see, he won't merely make salvation possible and accessible, but he will save his people from their sins. Decisively. Let's look at the next part of this statement. His people. He will save his people. His people are those who will come to him by faith. His people are those who will come to him on his terms alone. His people will come from all nations. His people are not the righteous ones, but the sick, the outcasts, the sinners. His people are the weary and the heavy laden. His people are those who come to him by faith. John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let's complete the statement. He will save his people from their sins. You see, he has not come to enrich, to moralize, or to modify behavior. But he came to save sinners from their sins. Mark 2, 17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Ahim puts it this way, I cannot tell why he whom angels worship should set his love upon the sons of men. Oh, why as shepherd he should seek the wanderers to bring them back. But this I know, that he was born of Mary, when Bethlehem's manger was his only home, and that he lived at Nazareth and labored. And so the Savior, the Savior of the world, is come. Brothers and sisters, the birth of Jesus is a reminder that God pursues sinners. The, God, the birth of Jesus is a reminder that God keeps his covenants and promises. The birth of Jesus Christ is a testimony that Christ, Christianity is historical and truth. And the birth of Jesus Christ is a proclamation that salvation is found in the name of Jesus Christ alone. He will save his people from their sins. And the birth of Jesus Christ is a promise that God is trustworthy. And Jesus will come again to establish his kingdom. O come, O King of nations. Bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid all our sad divisions cease and be yourself our king of peace. Amen.